It's been such an honor um, to preach this series that I feel the Lord burdened my heart with, um, which really, um, some of you have really said, Chris, we appreciate what you've said. Really, I've just read the verses. What does the Bible truly have to say to us, knowing that it has the answers for life and life everlasting? Amen? So today we have the the great privilege, and the the cool thing is, is most of them are sitting up front here. Today we're talking uh, in the household text about children. And so that's going to be our focus today. So I'm expecting lots of young people taking notes today. So to think about the the five-week series that we've been on, Matthew 6, 33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. We have to be seeking God first. He needs to be the main thing in in our lives. We've walked through Mark 12, 30, and 31, which says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment, and the second, like it, is this, shall love your neighbor as yourself, for there's no other greater commandment greater than these. And so we've been walking through these verses, we've been applying these to our home, and this is, again, the last message of that. So this morning, we're going to be speaking to the children, and then we're going to kind of put a recap on that, and as you guys know, we're going to have communion at the very end. So if you would open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to look at the first four verses today. First four verses, we're really going to focus on the first three, but I want to read all four. Again, this is towards the end of the household text in the book of Ephesians. The Bible says in Ephesians 6, 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. But bring them, bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for the privilege it is to call you Father today. Just as we sang that song earlier, Father, you truly do have a deep, deep love for us. And Lord, you prove that to us by allowing your son Jesus to come and to shed his blood. Just as the other song we sang about, thank you, Jesus, for the, the blood applied, that blood that was shed for each one of us and the sin Lord, that separated us from a holy God, Father. And Lord, we thank you so much for what you have done for us in Jesus, that we have forgiveness because of that blood, that we have now access to you. And Lord, you've done this beautiful work in allowing us to have your word in our language where we can read it and understand it, Father, and your Holy Spirit to help us to apply it to our lives. Lord, what a blessing you've given us as a church. So, Father, I pray today as we, as we look at the household text and we look at the, the, the charge to children to obey and to honor their mothers and fathers, I pray, Father, that you would, you would help them to, to not cross their arms and have uh, hearts that say, I, I know what I'm doing, but, Lord, they would have humble hearts this morning. Again, as another song we sang this morning, to be able to say, what does the word of God have to say for me right where I'm at? And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's some things that I need to grow in. So, Lord, I pray today that it would challenge the young people, but, Lord, not challenge them to defeat, but challenge them to live the life that they're supposed to live in Jesus. So, Father, we pray your blessings on this time. I pray, Lord, you'd you'd speak through me today. And, Lord, it's been such an honor uh, to represent you the last last several weeks um, from this pulpit. May you bless um, this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So this this section starts off um, with 
children, obey your parents. And so when I was thinking about that, you know, one of my favorite Psalms is Psalm number one. So if you would turn your Bibles to Psalm one, and I just love this Psalm. I think it reminds me of young people, the decisions we have to make, and I shouldn't say we, I'm not young people anymore, but decisions young people have to make, us old people too, but really looking at this in the context of young people, Psalm number one. The Bible says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. And as a result of that, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper." The contrast here in verse four, the ungodly are not so, but are like the chafe which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. This is a great backdrop for us this morning. I know there's other verses written on the back of your handout. Some of those we're not gonna cover. I've added a few more to my notes, so I apologize for that. Um, I just, as, as I continue to study, there's just so much opportunity to share. But we have to see as we look to Psalm 1 that there is a difference. There's the ungodly and there's the righteous. And you young people have got to make a choice for this, right? This isn't something part-time. This isn't something that we, we think about doing. It is life to us, right? And it's something that you have to be learning today at home. So young people, as we think about these verses this morning with children obeying their parents, you have to ask yourself, the question this morning is, is that really where I'm at this morning? Is that really who I am in Christ? Is that really my heart attitude? Because it's real easy to get up in the morning and you know, put on some praise songs and, oh, we just love the Lord. Oh, God, you're so good to us. We're so thankful for what you've done. But then when mom asks you to do something, it's like, mom, I'm, what? I'm busy, right? I got things to do. Is our, is our first inclination truly obey our parents, to obey our parents. So let's go back to Ephesians for a few minutes. Ephesians chapter six, once again, verses one and two. To read this again, children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Another way of saying this is over in Colossians chapter three. If you'll turn over there quickly. Paul says the same thing to the church at Colossae, but a little different terminology. Colossians three, verse 20. Paul writes, children, obey your parents in all things for this is well-pleasing in the Lord. Now, the thing when he says this is well-pleasing in the Lord, that is very Uh, not typical of writing in the New Testament. So when when we see those words, we have to realize, okay, this is something very special about what God is saying to children, what God is commanding to children. And, And young people, you have to see that this isn't optional teaching. This is who you are in Christ. This is who you're supposed to be as you live this out. Now, the contrast to this is to turn to 2 Timothy chapter three, where Paul is telling Timothy, giving him some instructions, the last book that, ta- that Paul wrote before he passed on. 
giving him some encouragement of what the end times are going to look like. And it's interesting some of the things that he mentions there, but we're going to look at um, first Tim, 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. This is Paul writing to Timothy. He says, but know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Wow. Next one, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power and from such people turn away. Having a form of godliness but denying its power. It's interesting that in the last days that Paul tells Timothy that in our homes, we're gonna have disobedient children. Now, all through life, like since Adam and Eve and they had their first children, of course, did you guys know that the world child or children didn't even come into existence until after the fall, right? So children are here after the fall. First kids were born at, after sin had entered into the world. And now we stand here today looking at these verses saying that Paul is telling Timothy that as things get worse and worse, that's gonna creep into our homes and our children are gonna be disobedient to parents. So we don't wanna focus so much on the disobedient side of things, but look at what are we truly called to as young people? What is our function? What is our role in our home? And that goes back to that first verse in Ephesians 6, 1. Children, obey your parents. Now this gives the context that, okay, if children are to obey, this means that parents have to be doing something, Right? Right? This means that we as parents have to be doing something before they obey. They can't just read our minds, right? Um, sometimes we wish they would, but we can't just ask them to do that. Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And I believe that um, in the book of Proverbs there, we're being taught that if we'll train them, they can never get away from the knowledge of who God is. Doesn't mean your kids won't fall away. Um, our oldest isn't walking with the Lord but I know that he knows the truth and he'll never be apart from that truth, whether he chooses to follow it or not. But if we do our part, if we train our children the way we're supposed to, he says they will not depart from the knowledge of that. Deuteronomy chapter six, verses four through nine says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and you shall be, they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. So we have this command all the way back in Deuteronomy chapter 6, and we've been in this chapter a few times over the last several weeks, that we as fathers, that we as mothers, not we, you as mothers, are to be teaching and training our children all the time, right? All the time we should be teaching and training them. So in order for them to obey, we have to be teaching them, amen? We have to be training them. And a big part of that is really being that example before them, being that example of what it looks like to truly follow the Lord. Another, another great example of this is Proverbs 13, 24, which says, he who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. You know, one of the things that we've forgotten about in Christianity today is that 
the Bible is pro-spanking your children, right? Is that okay to say that? That's what the Bible says. But we think we're so smart at times that we don't need to do that anymore, right? That we've, we've overcome that. We're so smart. Like we're smarter than God who wrote this in his word in my Bible and it's in your Bible for us to follow. So again, parents, in order to have obedient children, we have got to be doing our part. And so we'll, we'll leave that for now because today's focus is just about children. So children, when you think about obedience and, and obeying your parents, so it says children obey. So what, what is the command then? Oh, if my parents do what I want them to do, then I'll obey. Or if my parents say yes, that I can go on the youth camp out, then I'll obey, right? Or if my mom would leave me alone about those weeds in the garden, then I'm, I'm all for anything else, mom, but don't make me weed that garden, right? But children are to obey. This is just like where he says, husbands to love, no arguments. Wives are to submit, no arguments. Children are to obey, no arguments, right? Now, I'm not gonna ask parents to raise their hand, but do your children ever give you an argument? Do they? Do they ever say, why and how come and why do I have to do it? Why? It's so-and-so's turn, right? Like we have eight kids. There's only two at home right now. And the two at home are constantly, well, that's his job. Well, that's her job. Well, that's his job. Well, that's her job. We have to come to this point, young people, that if the Bible says children are to obey and your mom or your dad ask you to do something, they're not asking you to sin or violate a, convi- excuse me, a conviction, what should the answer be? Yeah, amen. I think a parent said that. Yes. The answer should always be yes. Now think about this. When you go to Walmart, do you know who all the disobedient kids are? They're all over the place, aren't they? Right? Those verses in Timothy, it's true, right? Like you go to Walmart, they're crying, they need a G.I. Joe, they need Fruit Loops, they need something, right? They've all got to have something. And, but if you go to Walmart and you see a, a, a nice family and maybe mama's got those kids in order and they're just kind of huddled around that buggy and she's walking through, there's no crying, there's no wine, they may be reciting Bible verses to each other, right? <laughs> Do you see the difference between the two? Because what you don't understand is everybody is looking to you. They're saying, okay, if you guys call yourself Christians, what does that really look like? And I've told you guys this story before that for me, I heard all these people telling me about Jesus and how I needed to go to church, but I did not see a difference in their life. I didn't see a changed marriage. I didn't see obedient children for sure. But once I did, there was something about that that was so sweet and so beautiful that I was like, man, like, I want that. Amen? Amen. We want that. We want obedient children. We want children who will stop all the whining and all the crying. My wife and I have had this conversation with our own children. I'm not going to tell you which one, so there's eight. Just pick one. But sometimes they spend so much time crying and whining, they could have already done what you asked them to do. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? You do know what I'm talking about. You know, one of the most frustrating things as a parent is listening to your kid whine about something that they should do. So children, you have to ask yourself the question, are you obedient to your parents? I don't want you to say it out loud. It's only something you can ask yourselves. Are you obedient to your parents? Do you see that God placed you right where he wanted you to? He gave you your parents. Like you didn't get a choice in that matter, right? He put you in the household that he wanted you to be in. 
Doesn't mean your parents are perfect. Your parents may not even be saved like my parents weren't. But God has placed you right where he wanted you. God has made you because he wanted a you. That's a very important thing. We have to always remember that God is the one who made you. Now, he worked that through your parents, but he made you. He wanted you. Even, even if your parents didn't want you, in the case of my wife, God still wanted her. And he still does. And he still does. So you have to see that your specific role in that house is to do what God has asked you to do, and that's to obey your parents. Stop all the whining, stop all the crying, and be a blessing to your parents. But all this comes down to, do you really trust the Lord, right? Do you really trust the Lord? Because we can all look at our parents and go, well, you know, my dad lost his anger, you know, 14 months ago at three o'clock in the afternoon, right? It happens, right? Or mom, that one day, you know, she said a Christian cuss word, right? Things happen, right? Like in our homes, parents aren't perfect. Sometimes parents even have a little argument at times. But if you're waiting for your parents to be perfect in order for you to obey them, you're never going to get there. And if they were perfect, um, then they'd probably want to get rid of you, right? I'm teasing. I'm teasing. But we have to see that our roles are not dependent upon what they're doing. Our role as a husband is not conducive. It's not dependent on what my wife is doing. My role is I'm supposed to love her. The wife's role is supposed to submit and respect her husband. It's not dependent upon him. But you have to see your role before a holy and righteous God is to obey your parents. To obey your parents. Remember, just as the devil came to Eve back in the garden, back in Genesis chapter 3, and he came to her and he said, has God really said, now how many times have you guys thought about this? Well, that, that verse says children obey, but like really, it doesn't mean like all the time, right? It doesn't mean like every day or in everything. Or how about this? Well, I can, I can obey just a little bit, right? Right, I'm gonna go clean my room. I'm just gonna make the bed, right? But that's not really cleaning the room. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go wash dishes, but I'm just gonna load the dishwasher. It's already three quarters full, Right? and not finish the dishes. Is that really obedience? It's not. And you have this privilege of walking this out because the one thing that you have to be mindful of is if you can't learn to submit to people who love you and bring you to church on a Sunday morning, you're really gonna struggle when you get outside of their house, outside of their homes, outside of all of that. You had a young lady in the church, in this church. She came to me and she said, my, my parents are always fussing at, my, at me about modesty. And I said, well, good. And she says, well, why can't God speak to me about modesty? And I said, well, he already did. Through your dad. Right? Amen? Is that truth or not? Children, you have to get to the point where you understand that mom and dad are smarter than you. They know the Bible better than you. When they ask you to do things, God's giving them wisdom to be able to help you walk this journey. So many times as young people, we see this magical 18. Boy, if I can just get to 18, life is gonna, oh, it's gonna just, the heavens open up, right? How many of you think that? I've heard that from people inside this church. That at 18, the world just changes, right? I am free to be me at 18. 
And I'm telling you, if that's your attitude this morning, you're, you don't quite guess what these verses are teaching. Because the only thing that should change at 18 is you have more responsibility, more accountability in Jesus Christ, and more people watching you as your example continues to grow before them. You know, we had goats years ago, and I may have told this story before, I apologize. Um, my wife, she's a homesteading queen. If you guys didn't know that, um, I'm not. Um, if anybody comes to my house, they'll know that. I like simple, right? I don't want more chores. My wife loves the homestead. So years ago, back in North Carolina, which is where we came from, and we had this piece of property, and we had goats. And my wife started milking these goats. And again, a whole other story. If you had never milked a goat, it's a lot of fun. Not really. <laughs> Not really. Um, so we had these goats, and my wife's like, well, we need a fence for these goats. And so my sons and I, we... We said, well, we can handle building a fence. So we put posts in, got them all nice and tight and had a friend that we went to church with and he did fences for a living. So he brought his tractor over and we stretched this wire and we had this thing just banjo string tight. It was beautiful fence. Put this gate up and it was about a, about a quarter acre fence. I think we had about 10 or 12 goats. These were little bitty guys. And again, we were milking them. They were having babies. It was, it was our hobby at the time. And so we put these goats in this fence, Right. And the very first thing they did was just stick their heads right through the gate, right back at us. Like, what are you doing this? Like, this is restrictive. You're, you're holding us back here. Now, what do goats like to eat? Weeds, right? The whole thing we fenced in was just perfect for them. It was all weeds and poison ivy. They love poison ivy. They love all that stuff. And these goats, what they did is they spent all their time going around the edge of the fence and sticking their head through the fence, which means they got their head stuck in the fence because they had little horns and then they'd be hollering out there and you'd have to go out there and take your foot and push them back in. But they spent all their time going around this fence because they were so concerned about what was on the other side of that fence. Now think about that. How many of you live your life that way? You're constantly getting a splinter in your nose because you're rubbing it against that fence of that rule and that regulation that where your parents are saying, we don't want you to do this. Right? But all you can see is that rule and that regulation in your home. And what Jesus wants you to see is this is life. Right? Quit looking at the fence. And once those goats finally figured out they did eat all the weeds in there, right? But it took them a while. Like they just wanted out of this fence. And I think so many times as young people, you look out into this world and it seems like it's a great time happening out there, right? All these people having so much fun on their Instagram or whatever that stuff is. I don't have any social media. But you know what? It's all fake. It's not true. You know, all sin does is create more misery and more havoc in our lives, more things that we have to repent of and turn from. It's never a good thing. Never a good thing. Turn your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter five, verse 16. Let's start talking about some of the reasons why we should obey. Deuteronomy 5, 16. You guys aren't smiling as much as you were earlier. The Bible says, honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you, that your days may be long and that it may be well with you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. So this is where Paul is encouraging us from in Ephesians. He's quoting this, and it's quoted quite a few times in the Old Testament, but there is a blessing to living God's ways. There is a protection 
in doing things God's way. You know, we talked about modesty a few minutes ago. You know, there's such a blessing in being modest. You know, guys don't typically chase modest girls, right? They're looking for those immodest girls. You know, where there is protection when we do things God's way. So when the Bible says that we are to obey, um, children are to obey their parents, uh, obey, let me just turn back and read that again. Children, you obey your parents in the Lord. So we have to understand that we are to do this because of who God is in our life. We have to see that what God is doing in our lives. And one of the greatest ways God wants to work in your lives as young people is in your home with your parents giving you some encouragement, your parents sharing with you some things that they see in your life that need to change, parents encouraging you some things in your life they see as really good, right? But you've got to see that, that the value in where God has placed you, it's what you need. It's what you need. Amen, young people. It's awful quiet. Proverbs thirty seventeen says, the eye that mocks his father and scorns obedience to his mother, the ravens of the valley will pick it out and the young eagles will eat it. You know, this proverb talks about having that inward attitude towards your parents, right? Having that attitude that I'm not gonna listen, I'm just biding my time. How do I get my mom off my back? How do I get my dad off my back? Versus being all in. How do I obey more? Right? How do, I, how do I come alongside my parents and be more of a blessing in my own home to them? But the Bible also says in Galatians 6, 7 through 9, do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, he will also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. Let us not grow weary in well-doing uh, and while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. We have to see that our, our actions have consequences. And as you get older, those consequences get bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, we had a, uh, a young person um, at, our, at our high school, and he was riding his motorcycle, and he thought that he could do whatever because he was invincible, because he's 16, 17, 18, whatever he was. And he decided to pass about nine cars at once. And there was a car coming the other way. And guess what? He didn't make it. He didn't make it. He chose to be silly. He chose to show off in front of his friends and prove that he was something special and he ended up losing his life over something completely stupid, right? But I just want to challenge you, young people. How many times do you encourage that in each other? How many times do you have those silly little thoughts not realizing the ramifications of what can happen if you follow through on some of that foolishness? And I would just challenge you, if you read through the book of Proverbs, there is so much there speaking to children, speaking to knowledge, speaking to foolishness that you need to take a look at. So he says we're to, we're to obey in the Lord. The second thing he says is we should, uh, a child is to obey in the Lord. It's all because of Jesus. Again, he doesn't say that we're to obey our parents just because they're believers or unbelievers. He says we're to obey our parents. Obey our parents. In our house, we used to call it straightway obey. If you didn't straightway obey, then you got straightway spanked. And uh, that was just a popular term in our house because we had five boys and uh, they appreciated a good thorough um, spanking. 
I'd come home from work and be like, which one today? And she'd say, those three. But again, we have to be teaching and training. And I just want to encourage you parents, don't give up. Don't give up. You know, the tendency among parents is you raise four or five, and, and as the next six or eight are coming along, you kind of run out of gas. It's been tough. It's a battle. It's been hard. But I would just encourage you, don't give up. What God has called you to, he'll give you the grace to, to continue on that fight, on that journey. The next thing he says, we should do this because this is right. Proverbs 1, 7 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Young people, you have to see that God has placed you in your home once again, that your parents have wisdom, right? Your parents have made lots of mistakes. I can promise you they have. And you have the privilege of hearing those stories and not falling into those same mistakes. That's an honor. And one thing that I... And just so blessed with, with this church is that years ago, this church had very few children and they prayed for children. I'm not sure how many years ago that was, but look at this church. We're over half of our church or roughly half of our church are young people. That's truly a blessing, but it's also, it's a, it's a great honor for us as, as a church that we have this privilege of training you guys up because what'll happen is if we don't do that well, in a couple generations, there won't be a church. There just won't be a church. And again, that starts with us parents doing our part, but you guys have to grab this. You know, statistically, um, when you think about all the people that go on the mission field, 70% of everybody going on the mission field today is a woman. And I would just challenge you young people, you young men, where are the men who are raising up to say, you know what, I'll be that pastor one day. I'll be that missionary who'll go to the ends of the earth and proclaim the gospel. I'll be that man. Because anybody can go work at the, at the trailer factory. Anybody can go do those things. But you guys have your entire life ahead of you to give it all to Jesus. And that is such a privilege. And I, I just want to encourage you this morning, too, that you guys, how blessed are you that you get to sit in a church every Sunday by parents who bring you and love you? Amen, right? A lot of people in this room did not have that opportunity, including myself. And it's such a privilege. And I just want to ask you, don't let that pass by you lightly. God has blessed you abundantly because there's an expectation that he wants to use you abundantly. Amen? He wants to use you. Turn your Bibles to Psalm 119. Another great, great chapter. This acrostic poem is a beautiful picture of how precious God's word should be to us. We're gonna look at verses nine through 16. I think I had that wrong on the handout. But 119, nine through 16. This is a psalmist giving encouragement to how powerful the word of God is in our life. The Bible says, how can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart have I sought you Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my, lips I have, uh, with my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. I've rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your words.
It's a beautiful picture of how precious the word of God needs to be in our lives. And again, you guys are being raised in this Christian bubble, right? Not a lot of bad things are getting in. You're in a good church. You're in good homes. Most of you are in protected environments, right? There's like this bubble that you live in, which is wonderful, right? Praise God for that. But one day there's not going to be a bubble, right? There's not going to be the, the size of the bubble that you live in today. And so many times young people think, you know what? I'm so strong. I'm so strong in my faith as I live in my Christian bubble, right? Then they go off to college and then the first semester of college and then they, and all of a sudden they give up on their, their faith and who God is because there's this world out there that wants to destroy you. There is. And you guys have got to see that this bubble of time is for your good. This bubble of time is for you to grow in your relationship with Jesus because the world is coming at you. You know, my wife and I, have been, we've been married for 29 years. Took me a minute. 29 years. We got married at 20, so we were just barely out of high school. We became Christians at 25. And I can tell you the way the world has changed in 25 years you guys have no idea what you're gonna be up against. And if you're just gonna play around with Christianity, if you're just gonna kinda of keep one toe in and be looking at that fence, you're not gonna make it. You're just not gonna make it. You guys have gotta take this seriously. Following Jesus, the precious gift that we have in Jesus is so, so important that it needs to be changing your lives. Amen? Amen. Let's keep going. So Ephesians, go back to Ephesians two, uh, 6, chap, uh, chapter 6, verse 2, once again. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Honor your father and mother. Honor means to revere or to fix a value on, to, to see that my mom and dad are saying something. There's some value to this. I really need to pay attention to this, Right? When you think about this, um, husbands were commanded that we would, um, as we dwell with our wives and understanding, we're giving honor to them as the weaker vessel. Matthew 15, 8 says, these people draw near to me, this is Jesus speaking, with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Young people, we cannot just honor our parents with lip service. It has got to be from the heart. It has to be something because of what happened on the inside and that is a relationship with Jesus. And I would challenge you this morning, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you can't go home and make this happen. It starts with a relationship with Jesus. You have to be willing to submit yourself to his lordship, realizing that you have a need for a savior. And I was surprised at some of the statistics that come out and how many children are raised up in the church never given their hearts to the Lord. The statistic's like 35%. I don't know who they pull, they never called me, but they pull somebody, and about 35% of the children who get to college age, never, 35% never gave their heart and life to Jesus in the church. That's a bad number. That's a bad number. Are we honoring our parents? Are we honoring our parents? The Bible says in Proverbs 23, 22, Listen to your father who begot you and do not despise your mother when she is old. You know, this honoring our parents is something that we will do for the rest of our lives, right? Doesn't mean you live at home with them anymore, but you're always gonna have this relationship where you are to honor them. Now, I'm very blessed with my children. My kids call me all the time and they're constantly wanting advice. They don't always take it, um, but they're asking. And I really appreciate that. 
I appreciate that we have a voice in their life. I appreciate that they seek mom and I out for wisdom and counsel. But again, it's up to them. They have to make a choice. And again, not all of our counsel may be, um, from our perspective, may be tainted. But uh, they do ask, and I'm so thankful for that. Deuteronomy 27, 16 says, Cursed is the one who treats his father or his mother with contempt, and all the people shall say amen. Young people, God knows your heart. He knows when you're truly obeying from the inside, going, yep, this is my dad. He loves me. A little quirky, tells some crazy jokes once in a while, like little dad jokes, right? But he's a good man, and he loves Jesus. And I'm going to obey him because of that. I'm going to come alongside my dad and do that. But you know what? Only you know whether you're really doing that. Now, your parents probably do because you can only fake it for so long. And your parents are pretty smart people, very discerning people. But again, God wants you and he continues to want you. No matter what you've done, he offers forgiveness, cleansing, and strength to walk with him. And this was a hard one for me. You know, I came to know the Lord at 25 years old and I had done a whole litany of bad things. And to know that God was willing to forgive me of all of that. And I get to walk in this newness of life. Like all that is gone. And I no longer am identified as the guy who drives the beer truck, the guy who drinks, the guy who this, the guy who that. Like my new identity is in Jesus. That old guy has passed away. I now have this new life. Young people, you have to see that no matter what you've done, there's forgiveness. Your identity needs to be in Jesus, not in some sin that you fell into because there is victory in Jesus. Amen? There is victory in Jesus. But one of the things you see, especially with the high suicide rates with young people, is they don't feel valued. They don't feel like they have any value. They don't feel like they're important. And I just want you guys to know that you are desperately important to God, but you're also very important to us as a church. There's many in this church who fast and pray. As elders, we pray for you guys all the time because we realize that we have this awesome opportunity to teach and train and disciple this next generation of church planters, of fathers and mothers in a very difficult society. So when you think about yourself, are you an honoring child? Are you honoring your mother and your father? Or do you maybe honor one over the other? Well, you know, I, I really like mom, dad, not so much. Or I, or I really like dad, in the case of my home, right? Um, but maybe not mom so much. Or maybe you just play favorites, right? You guys do that? Go ask mom, mom says no. Go ask daddy, said yes. Right? It happens, not just at my own house. We've got to be honoring our parents, thinking about what really is the best thing? Let me ask you a, sec, a question, young people. A lot of you guys went on this Tennessee trip last weekend and you took three days out of your busy schedules and you donated all your time to go to Tennessee and work on this church. Amen, right? It was a wonderful thing. How many of you done that for your moms? How many of you said, Mom, I see you're behind in the garden, I see you're behind in canning or fill in the blank, whatever mom's busy with. Hey, Mom, I'm gonna clear my schedule for three days and I am just going to serve you. Because it's easy to go serve with all my friends. We're going to be up in front of the church. Everybody's going to think, look how good I am. But they're not always going to see you weeding that garden for eight hours. They're not always going to see you washing dad's pickup truck. They're not always going to see doing the other things. 
But we've got to ask ourselves, are we doing the things because we want other people to see us? Are we doing it because it's right? And again, it's, it's something you have to ask yourself. Because who doesn't want men's applause, right? Like, I love that. When I get done preaching, people are like, ah, it was a great sermon. Ooh, really? Makes you feel good, right? But it all needs to be because of Jesus and what he's done in our lives. And so I just want to challenge you young people. Do you have that same attitude of going and serving at home as you do on Wednesday nights with the youth group? And I think what you guys do on Wednesday nights is a wonderful thing. I think Jerry and Sarah and Nate and Geneva are doing a great job with you guys. But it needs to happen at home first. Even if you have to not go to youth, right? Because my dad needs me. Mom needs me. There's something I need to take care of. So anyway, I just want to challenge you with that. So what is the application? So how do we put this into practice? Turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 8, verse 34 through 35. Some of my favorite verses. The Bible says, verse 34, and again, I read from the New King James Version, which is a little different. When he had called the people to himself and his disciples also, he said to them, the young people, don't you hear this verse? Whosoever desires, right? Whosoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's We'll save it. Now, the question I have for you young people is, have you lost your life for the sake of the gospel? Is that the most important thing? And in by doing that, now I'm obeying my parents, I'm honoring my parents, and I'm trying as, as humanly possible to live according to the word of God. That I'm going to the word of God, not because mom and dad said so, that, hey, you need to be reading your Bible. Okay, I read my Bible, right? Because you find life in it. You find it important to you. You know that it's because of what God has done for you. That as John 15 says, that we are to abide in the vine. That is your role, not through mom and dad. Now you're never gonna make it to heaven because mom was a Christian or dad was a Christian. This is something you have to do. You have to decide to do. You have to abide in the vine. Jesus has to be your Lord. And in the midst of that, you, especially as young people, have this awesome privilege to give your life to Jesus completely right now. And you don't have to wait until you're old like I was and make all those mistakes because for some reason we think they're fun to do. They're not. I know young people, they question drinking, they question drugs, they question all kinds of things. And I just would appreciate if all of you would just say, you know what? What what does the church teach? What does my parents teach? And just throw all that garbage away and just obey the Lord, right? I hear young people all the time asking me questions about something that they want to do that they know they shouldn't do, but they're trying to find a way in the scriptures to justify it. And I'm just gonna take all that hassle away from me and just say, you know, just obey your parents. Obey what the church is teaching you. Do what God has called you to do. Quit wasting so much of your energy on those types of things. So we think about the last five weeks. So we've been on this journey referring to our home. We started this journey off by going, the devil wants to destroy the church. And I believe the greatest way that he does that is by infecting our homes, getting mom's and dad's relationship not where it needs to be, children's relationship not where it needs to be. In a couple generations, there's no church. 
Now, statistically, it's five generations is the life cycle of a church. Now, I don't know, how, again, how they figure that out either. But think about it. What about us as parents? What about your son as a father? Do you want him to treat, teach and train the way you're doing right now? Like, is that gonna be sustainable for him? Is that gonna be sustainable for his house? What about your daughter, dear sister? Do you say, you know what, be just like me as a wife? Because we have to see that this role, this, this household text that we've been walking through, it's not optional for us. This is who we are in Christ. If we say that Jesus is my savior, my identity is in him, then as a husband, I need to be sacrificially loving my wife, leading and pointing her to Jesus because I represent Jesus to her, to my home. My wife is to show respect and submit to me, not because of who I am, but because of Jesus. That's the reason why. Children, you'll be obedient to your parents and honoring them because of Jesus. That's the reason why. And I know sometimes as parents, we miss the reason why. We're, we're sometimes really quick about giving you the reason, uh, telling you what to do, but sometimes we miss the reason why. You have to overlook that sometimes. But you have to see that your role, our role, if we're truly gonna have homes that represent the gospel, then the gospel should have changed something in our homes. Amen? It should. It should change us as fathers, our wives, and our children. So we have to ask ourselves the question then, has the gospel changed our homes? As we've gone through this the last several weeks, what's changed? As we've been challenged with our specific roles, what's changed in our life that we can now say, Lord, I wanna lay this down, this thing that I was holding on to, I'm gonna lay it down because I don't need this. I realize your word is truth, your word is powerful, and I don't need this. I'm holding on to self-pride. I'm holding on to something. I'm not willing to submit to my husband completely. Because God brought us to this text. God brought us through this five-week journey for a reason, right? We didn't just come to church because, you know, Merlin's gone and somebody else is preaching. Like, God has been speaking to us about our homes, and we have got to do something about that. Amen? I'm going to read the Great Commission. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, this is Matthew 28, 18 through 20, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptize in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. That's the great commission. That's God's expectation for us as a church, which really starts at home in our houses, which means you guys. So children, do you understand your role that you are to obey, you are to honor your parents without question? Now, if your parents ask you to sin, obviously, you know that's wrong. Now, don't say, well, I'm not, uh, I've heard, I've heard a, a young lady say this, well, I don't, I'm convicted not to wash dishes on Sunday. They'll be there Monday morning, right? Or I'm convicted not to do this, but I'm good to go hang out with my friends, Right? So don't, don't play those, those silly cards. So church, are we all in this morning? Do we see this great expectation that God has for us and our families? And are we willing to just say yes and amen to that? Realizing that we've all struggled, we've all failed, we all have our moments, but can we just come before the Lord and say, you know what, Lord, I agree with what your word says and I really want to do that. Amen? I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna work our way into the communion time.
So let's pray together. Father, your goodness is, is abounding. Father, you're so merciful to us. Thank you for this, this precious time that we've had over the last five weeks. Lord, I thank you. It's a gift to me, Father. Thank you for the privilege to preach these last five weeks. Lord, it's truly been an honor. And Lord, I just pray that your word would continue to bring life to us as we look at our homes, as we look at our relationships as husbands and wives and children, and that you would challenge us, Lord, and you would refine us, Father, that we, as homes, your gospel would be at work. Other people would see that, Father, and they would be drawn to you because, really, that's where it's supposed to start, that we as a family are ministering together as we serve you together. So, Father, I pray you would work that work in our homes. Father, we just recognize again how much we need you. And Lord, we know the world is out there and it's, it's coming for our children. It's trying to come for our marriages. And Lord, we just stand against that in Jesus' name and say, Lord, we, we just want what you have for us. So Lord, I just pray you would continue to mold us and make us in your image. Those things that we feel like we need to hold on to are those, those voices that say, you know, has God really said these things? Lord, may you challenge us to look deeper into your word and see that your word is life. We love you in Jesus' name, amen.